Hello, everyone, and welcome back to season four of the SPEMA Council podcast. My name is Madeline Grassi. I'm one of the co-hosts for this season, as well as the podcast administrator. Joining me on the hosting side today, we have Jackson Fretley, uh, our um, podcast producer and social media manager. Um, also, we have a really special guest today um, that Jackson is going to introduce now. Um, but also just a big shout out. This is our last season, uh, last episode of the season. So we're super excited um, to have this guest as our as our final episode. So Jackson. Thank you, Maddie. So on our season finale, we have Justin Morrow. Justin was a professional soccer player in the MLS for 12 years, playing with both the San Jose Earthquakes and Toronto FC. While playing soccer, Justin was the co-founder of the Black Players for Change, an independent organization working to bridge the racial equality gap in, in society. Today, Justin finds himself as the technical development manager at MLSC, and we welcome him as the 21st and final guest here on the Spima Council podcast. Final guest, I like it. So yeah. Exactly. So Justin, if you don't mind, can you just go more in depth with your current role with Toronto FC as the technical director? Yeah, technical development manager. I don't want anyone confused out there thinking that I'm the technical director. <laughs> I am. I am helping bridge the uh, not the gap, but um, the transition between the academy second team and first team. And what we know is that it's a big transition going from amateur to the professional level. Um, we've had a lot of a lot of young players around here for a number of years. We've done a great job at. at getting kids up to the first team, getting them signed professionally, getting them some some field experience. But the more support that the club can give them, the better they'll do once they're up there because we know how hard the transition is. They're all of a sudden teenagers in the locker room full of veterans, guys that have played in, in different leagues around the world, um, World Cups even, great experiences. Most often there's a huge gap in age. And, you know, these are men that they're around now. They're, they're men that are supporting their families to this job. And with that comes different responsibilities. So to just throw a kid in there and say, here, all right, now you're pro, act like everyone else, there's a learning curve there. And so if we can give them additional support as a club, hopefully we'll be able to see the benefits of that on the field. Uh, we, we do a lot of work here in, in youth development in Toronto with Toronto FC. Um, our academy is, is pretty profound and we have a great talent base in the GTA to work off of. And um, the community has been amazing in supporting us and, and sending great players and our scouting network does a great job as well. So we want to make sure that we're cultivating and, and taking care of that appropriately because with that comes responsibility, you know? And so as we're continuing to advance along this, this path of player development, and and see that play out at the first team level the more support that we can give them from a club side the better so that's kind of the genesis of my job i was coming coming off the pitch so recently having just been in the locker room it makes a lot of sense for me to be in and around those guys um, to help give them some advice and maybe be a little bit of a, a bridge between what the coaches have to say and how they're receiving the information because we also know um, that it's helpful to have mentors around so that's a little bit of what I'm doing. And it, and it looks different every single day. It can be, like I said, mentoring. It could be video analysis. It could just be spending time with the guys. It can be giving them, you know, life experiences, taking them outside of the training ground and, and getting them experiences, whether that's uh, our foundation at Launchpad, 
or they can have their feet on the ground there and see what happens day in and day out with the kids that we serve in the community. There's just a, a wealth of experience that they can get here with Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment when you try and give them and add that a little bit into who they are as well so that whether they make it to the first team leveler or they don't, they've had a good experience as, as young men here at Toronto FC. So that's a little bit about my role and what I've been up to. Yeah, and I would imagine, you know, like, well, like I'm, I'm familiar around like being at the at the field, whether that be like a few years ago when I was just a fan and going with with my family or now being there on the game days and, and seeing the players. But I think like sometimes I, I stand there and think like he looks so young, like he looks like like he could be like in my class with me. But then but then you think like the, the Toronto FC have some also big new players right now, like some pretty big names. Um, and you think like they probably grow, grew up idolizing those players or like looking at those players as role models. And now like Insigne is your teammate and, and Bernadeschke's with you on the pitch. And I would imagine that's a pretty, pretty uh, and, like amazing uh, feeling knowing that you're on the pitch with them. But then also it would be it would be tough knowing that like this might be your first pro contract and, and then you're thrown out there with them and, and all, all the experience that they have. So I would imagine that would be super tough uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. That's spot on. And, and when you have teammates like that, the standards go up right away. Mm. The spotlight is bigger. The attention on the team is bigger. So like you said, helping the kids deal with all of that at the same time as you know, getting their first minutes in the team, establishing themselves as professional players, learning and being self-aware of who they are and, and what are the good characteristics they bring as a player and, and what they can do on the field. These are all things that we're trying to help them through. No, because I yeah. know even like just like reading articles, some of my favorite things to read is like what rookies live with what senior like players on the team. Just like, because I don't think people actually realize how hard it is to go from like playing like junior right to professional, like, once you're a professional, all eyes are on you. So I think like some people might underestimate like how you have to act as a professional and just like having like a lot of these former players transition into some of these roles are just like helping these younger generations like be able to be successful off the field, off the field or off the pitch. Mm -hmm. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, as we touched on a little bit earlier, but you're also the co-founder of Black Players for, for Change, um, which is an organization that you're a part of. Could you just go a little bit more in depth and, and tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, we started that in the summer of 2020, kind of on the heels of the pandemic and the murder of George Floyd. For me personally, joining an initiative like that um, was a no brainer. It was part of my lived life experience being a mixed black man growing up in the Midwest in the United States, experiencing microaggressions, experiencing outright racism. Um, most often growing up and being in spaces where a lot of people didn't look like me, a lot of people didn't act like me and always feeling like an outcast. So when it came the chance to like join together with my brothers in the league, it was a no brainer, like I said, and it is one of the most memorable moments all of my life now um, because of that, because of working across teams and players that are normally adversaries are now your friends and you're working towards one common goal that was that was special and something that's usually experienced as a players union but we we took it you know a step further and kind of organized ourselves it was a very uncertain time and the thing that has been born from it is just a brotherhood and a safe space 
where guys can come share their feelings and get some guidance on on how to advance racial justice racial equity in in soccer and that looks like a lot of different things it looks like interfacing with the league being a part of their biggest events like mls cup and and um all-star it it looks like interfacing with the ownership level and and making sure that they as such large stakeholders in this economy in this industry understand what the issues are engaged on the issues and in, in trying to help so that we can kind of leverage what they are as business people to help move the needle uh, it works at the academy level as well in trying to create a safe diverse environment for our youngest players growing up in north america that are all of a sudden receiving more spotlight as the talent in north america is highlighted across the world and now everyone wants to come here and kind of poach the talent and whatnot so all of a sudden it becomes an elite atmosphere very quickly and we want to make sure that not only the players are safe in forms of anti-harassment but also discrimination and there's there's a lot of work there to be done because you know most people don't know but in north america we have like the biggest youth soccer scene in in all of the world and that makes sense, you know, geographically how how big we are. But um, there's no league like MLS Next, which is our academy level, that spans such a big geographical area. So we've been doing work there. We've been doing work outside of the league in the communities that we that we live in, that we play in, building mini pitches. We've done that um, in collaboration with Black Women's Player Collective, the similar group as us that was formed. In NWSL and those ladies have have taught us so much and it's been a very humbling and honoring experience to be hand in hand with them and working on this creating safe spaces for our young black kids to to play and have access to the game because at the youth level it's it's exclusionary in a lot of different ways right so mm -hmm. we have to work at that and then we've also been working on social justice and and joining brothers and sisters outside of the soccer ecosystem and talk any league we we've collaborated with them that you can think of and and we've been working on criminal justice reform and police community relations and civic engagement and education and and wealth equity so it's holistic it's incredible in in a lot of ways and um like i said it's been a huge part of my life not only for the last two years but since my since my birth and it's part of who I am and it's great that I get to express it now and everyone knows that as well and everyone has been really accepting accommodating supportive I've gotten so many messages black players for change has, was always received very well that was a question that we got in the very beginning you know did you find this challenging coming together as a group and internally of course there's there's challenges there when you have like 170 players you have staff all these different things to get a consensus and move in one direction but in general the atmosphere that we received in was was accepting and supportive and i'd never take that for granted and continues to be continues to be this day you know dynamics are are changing socially we're in a different spot now than we were in 2020 uh but the most important thing is that black players for change is still here we're still working we're still going at it and as a legacy that's the most important thing for us that we continue year after year decade after decade pass this thing down to the next generation so for me it's been uh amazing amazing experience
Yeah, and I would imagine that, you know, that transition after COVID, now it, how, like, we're kind of back into, we keep saying after COVID, technically we're still in a pandemic, but, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. as, great, as we it? slowly started to, to get back to, like, normal practices, I imagine that that safe space is really important um, for those players, because they know that they, they have that space to, you know, go express their feelings and, and have some people around them to support them, which is always really important. So that's awesome. Yeah. I, f I feel the best when I see the youngest players in the league taking part in our initiatives mm -hmm. or even just taking part in our internal meetings. And maybe it's not that they're showing up to speak out, but they're just showing up to listen. And that makes me feel really good as, as someone who played in the league for 12 years. This thing was co-founded by a bunch of guys that had like a decade of experience in the league at that point. And so our greatest gift could be to pass this down. And when young guys are showing up just to hear what the old guys have to say, you know, get some advice and, you know, just be a fly on the wall. Even and that's that's so meaningful to us because mm -hmm. we didn't have that in a lot of cases when we came into the league, maybe on one off individual circumstances. Yes, but a group where they can come together and kind of feel safe that that didn't exist so it feels really good in that way mm -hmm. that's really good and then um we did talk about like the transition from like amateur to like the pro um aspects like what do you think the biggest challenge was from trans transitioning from being a full-time athlete to now like being in the office full-time yeah i i had an amazing transition and i like to frame it that i have an amazing transition because I'm mm -hmm. still going through it. It's my second year off of the pitch now. And people think of it in such a finite way, like, oh, it's happened. But for me, it's it's ongoing. You know, I'm missing the pitch now this year than I than I was last year. And so that that's a new emotion. That's a new thing that I have to go through. Uh, but I had I had about as best as you can get because I got to stay at the club that I was with for such a long time that I've grown to love that I grow together with, get to work with people that I was working with in a different capacity as a player. Um, they were supporting me, making sure that I could do my job as best of my abilities. Now I get to work with them and support the players currently. Um, but we have like such great relationships built up over all of those years. And a lot of respect there. So I get to do that. I got to keep the family in the same place. Mm -hmm. uh, it's no secret. I, I love Toronto. My family loves Toronto. We've built our family here. And so that was that was a really special thing. So in all of those ways, it was really great. And when I talk to the young players here, I always talk to them, um, not just in the sense of soccer, but in broader society and who we are as human beings and not tying so much of their identity to themselves as soccer players that was something that i was able to prepare very well so that when this transition happened i could enter in smoothly there's a lot of a lot of transferable skills that that athletes have when you talk about in terms of leadership and communication and problem solving skills that work very well in the office and so i've really leaned into those types of things as I've been in, in the front office. And then of course, you're going through everything for the first time. So you're gonna make mistakes and you have to give yourself grace for that. And everyone around me has given me that space as well. And when things don't go necessarily according to plan, everyone, everyone understand is there to help me pick up the pieces. And that's the special thing about this club. We, we take this model all for one very, very seriously. And you don't see it only show up on the pitch it shows up in a lot of different ways and the ways that we execute 
initiatives and the ways we support each other as employees around here. So I'm getting, I'm getting that full experience now. And it's, it's, uh, again, if you're like going through that, through that transition and to be able to do that at my age is not something that a lot of people get to experience. So definitely been, definitely been cool. And, you know, there are good days, there are bad days, but on the overall way more good than bad. So <laughs> Uh, I've, I've been thankful and grateful for that. I would imagine too that although you're missing the pitch a lot, you're not missing playing in in March and like negative ten degree nights at BMO Field. <laughs> <laughs> the coldest nights at BMO are the most memorable for me. So yeah, I that's would, true. I would take that over the humidity that they have down in Miami, for example. <laughs> it's nice to have the advantage on our side for once. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Well. Justin, we've learned so much about about you and and you know um, like Black Players for Change and and your role at the at MLSE right now. But we like to have some fun too, and we know that you have a lot of cool experiences and and memories playing um, soccer as well. So, a few questions here: um, If you could play for any team in the world, what team would you pick and why? So I've said this a couple of times, but I am a Manchester United supporter. Mm-hmm. They would be my team. I was. I would love to play at Old Trafford. That came about um, through my college years. My my college coach, Scottish Scottish lad, as he would say. Um, he grew up coaching and and playing in Aberdeen with Sir Alex Ferguson. They're good friends. They they still talk to this day. And so um, he would always have us watching Manchester United film, and it was glory years best players that you can think of uh so it was easy to be a fan of manchester united at that point too uh so if if ever there there had been a chance that would have been my my dream club to be a part of um and so my fandom has changed a little bit now i still support them and it's a little bit harder to support them these days although <laughs> not this year this year they're, they're doing all right yeah. uh but i'm a i'm a loyal guy and i stick behind them and i think that comes from from being a Clevelander, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not easy to be a professional sports fan in Cleveland, but we are diehard uh, no matter, no matter what's happening. And so that is my club for, for good and bad. <laughs> and then, so you did bring up like old Travers. So like, what has been like maybe the most memorable stadium you've played in um, during your career? Or like what, what was like your favorite stadium to play in? Um, definitely the more traditional uh, soccer stadiums, some of the stadiums that we played in CONCACAF Champions League when we went down to um, to Monterrey to play the uh, Tigres, that one was that one was incredible experience because of how intense the fans were. It was a great, great match as well. Like, and I actually ended up getting injured early in the match, so I didn't I didn't play all that much. But um, the intensity in the game, how good we were playing, how good they were playing, um, the intensity of the fans that that made it but a very traditional you know like there was no bells and whistles to that stadium it's just a bowl with, with seats and it's packed to the brim yeah. and there's not there's not a seat missing and the fans are vocal from you know minute minute one to 90 plus or whatever it ended up being so that that one was special azteca is special got to got to be there a couple times it it was almost the case that I was there multiple times and missed out playing on the actual pitch 
every time because I was injured or I was substitute and just didn't get in. Um, we played their World Cup qualifier with the U.S. men's national team, and it was one of the first times we got a result there. So that was that one was really cool. I was on the bench for that one. And then finally, you know, we played there in Champions League again with with Toronto FC against uh, Club America. And then at the end, my last year, we played uh, Cruz Azul there, but it was it was no fans at that point because we were still coming out of COVID. So got to actually, you know, play play on the pitch, which was a, a fun experience despite the loss. So mm-hmm. um, those ones always always stick out to me. You know, the, the way that Major League Soccer is going now, they've got some really really cool stadiums, and our stadium here at TFC, it, it it sticks out to me in that sense because I love the, the more traditional stadiums. And I feel that TFC, BMO Field, it has that. It has that um, structure framework, but also that atmosphere where there's not too many bells and whistles. Um, at, like places like Atlanta were, t- were tough for me because so much lights, there's so much um, video boards, sound, like there's so much going on. It just didn't feel like natural to me um but yeah those are the those are the best ones for me no and then like earlier talked about like how you know you love staying in toronto so like what did you love about like playing in toronto like was there like a certain like aspect or was it just like something as a whole it's the whole package it's the whole package (laughs) so when you talk about uh when you talk about the club the club is a, a big club a lot of respect around the league for toronto fc um obviously went through some good years here so i enjoyed building that being a part of the the tough moments the building block moments and the moments that everyone say are successful the traditional successful moments the winning the games were winning trophies the games were um were beating really good teams i i enjoyed that part as well enjoyed getting to play with really good teammates and um diverse teammates from from around the world and learning different things from them um get to enjoy the fans and and how incredible they are, the atmosphere that they create in the stadium, the way they support the players, the team, the club, the pressure that they put on the club. Like I I enjoyed that because um, there are, there are um, players that play at smaller clubs around the league and don't get to feel that pressure. And that, that pressure is a privilege. And I think for the younger players, that's something that's difficult for them to understand, but you get to, really embrace it as you're as you're older and you're a veteran in the locker room so I enjoyed that enjoyed the stadium the way it looks the way it feels the size the location I love that it's so close to downtown I love um, the march to the match the all the all the experiential things that go around the stadium it really feels like a a big market stadium so I, I enjoyed that and then I enjoyed the city. I enjoyed how big it is. I, I grew up in Cleveland, such a small town when I grew up there and always thought that I would leave and find myself in a big city at some point. And so yeah. I got to live that in a lot of different ways with the team that I was playing on. But I physically lived in the middle of the city when I first got here in, in 2014. Now I'm a little bit further west, um, closer to High Park. So still kind of kind of attached to it in, in a small way. But everything that comes with living in a big city. I, I enjoy being able to walk everywhere, um, enjoy different foods from around the world, the different cultures that we have here in Toronto. 
and then I, I also enjoyed being outside of the United States and, and learning what it means to, <laughs> to, to live in a place that's not the America and um, the ups and downs that come with that. That was, you know, a big cultural education for me, which is important. I think people should get to experience that at some point in their lives. So um, all of that, like I said, the full package is what really made Toronto so special to me. Yeah. And I know I can relate to that a little bit. Like my family grew up in a small town uh, north of Toronto, but all of my like extended family lives in Toronto. So I, I love the city. I love going down there and, you know, like going to sports games and like, and just like the whole atmosphere, like you said, like it's really, it really is like a, a full package, but I always appreciate leaving too and going back home to like <laughs> small quiet like my home but then I also love like a few days in Toronto as well so um definitely some 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 great aspects and memories there um yeah. and then for you I I can imagine you have uh so many memories playing well in the MLS um but is there is there a specific moment that really stands out for you maybe that you'll never really forget um no, like I've been going, I'd mentioned going through this transition, right. And thinking about my playing days, maybe a little bit more this year than I was last year. And every time I think about it, I think about a different time, a different game, a different experience, something that I've um, found myself doing more recently is like going back and, and watching film of just like random random games like oh remember we played in Houston in like April of like 2015 and, uh, and I was like oh I, I wonder if the game film looks the way I remember it might go back and watch it you know yeah. and like <laughs> those like for me that's what being a, a good pro is you know all of those games that nobody else remembers you yeah. take those like just as seriously as you take the big ones you know and yeah. And I think that's what made myself a good professional and would, would make anyone a good pro. And so I have so many, so many little moments. My wife gives me crap about it all the time because she's like, oh, if you could ever get all of those memories out of your head, you have space <laughs> for so much more knowledge. But it's like it's it's stuck in there. I remember plays. I remember everything. And so, of course, the big ones stand out to the winning MLS Cup and clinching the supporter shield at home. Um playing in Champions League, playing in Gold Cup, Canadian Championships, anytime we're winning trophies, you know, like all of those are special, special moments. But when I, when I think about it, when I think about my playing days, my mind doesn't go straight there right away. It yeah. goes towards plays or moments or good and, good and bad, the things that we struggled through, the things personally I struggled through and reflect on those moments and how they affect who I am and shape who I am today and have built me up to be the man that I am. I'm just thankful for it all. Thankful for it all that I got to experience it. And now I'm experiencing it from another side. So that's cool as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Justin, we've learned so much about you and, and your career and your time as a player here today. Um, and Jackson and I want to thank you for your time um, and talking with us today. Um, being the final guest, you're a big finale episode. Um, but we always like to give the guest the the final word and give you the floor when we close off the episode. So on behalf of Jackson and I, we thank you for joining us. And uh, the floor is yours. No, thank you. Kudos to you too for, for what you're doing while going through school over there. So 
big ups and good luck with the future. I hope you see you out at some TFC games soon. For sure. Thanks, Justin. Thank you.